Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Today we have a return guest, I think... As officially, you are the most returned guest. You and Travis Wu are like in contention with each other for. I don't think that's true. I think actually it's you and Eugene. Oh, but thank God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andrew Brown's on the podcast. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, man. What's going on? Uh, excited to have you here. We uh, we haven't seen you since you became a genius that designs games. Yes, I do design games now, and it's awesome. Yeah. Follow your dreams, kids. Yeah, he used his magic smarts, and now he has a real-life job that isn't just spiking magic tournaments. Though he still does that. Yes, that's also fun as well. Yeah, sweet. Um, so, this is episode 57, I think, right? Maybe? I, I don't know. Something like that. I don't um, count those things. Yeah, we, I just type them yeah, based so, off of my Gmail account and what my last email said. I think this is 57, and we are trying to do a thing now where we just do this in one take. There's no editing, so we're just going to riff off it if we do anything wrong. Um, don't curse. We don't ever do that, but just in case, so a reminder. Is, this is the MM Cast raw. <laughs> this is the MM Cast uncut. live, uncut, unedited. Deal. Oh. Yeah. All right. So today we're talking about two things. So first off, you had a pretty good weekend I beyond did. Halloween and all of the fun that that entails. You uh, top forwarded RPTQ. Yes, I did. I top forwarded the San Diego RPTQ, which cool. stands for Regional Pro Tour Qualifier. For Regional those of you that are Pro Tour Qualifier, new. newer because it's a thing that's new this year. This is the what is this the second round of them? This right? is the third RPTQ. I okay, believe. the first one was the the uh, first one was for uh, origin. The first one was for. Origins? Origins, I think. I thought I thought they were going to give out one promo per set, and they just yeah, Liliana yeah. This is this is snap. the this is the third one because the it's per year, not per oh, tournament. it's per year. So got Liliana Vale was the promo for all of 2015. Snapcaster Soccer Master will yeah. be the thing for all. He next actually year. looks a lot like Ronaldinho if yeah. you put them side by side. And you got one. I did not get one. We got the Liliana. This one was the little... Oh, it's, it's not... still 2015. Got yeah. it. Got it. I was confused. I, I, I mean, it's November, so we're close. So right. We're yeah, yeah, confused, yeah. Uh-huh. But <laughs> still in 2015. Would you have preferred the Liliana or the Snap? Whichever one is more money to a vendor. Good answer. Yeah. Um, okay. So what did you play? I played Blue Red Splinter Twin. The classic just, just you slash R twin. Yeah. Well, also called Blue Red Tokens. You make a million tokens and you attack them. People actually call it that? No. No, I just call it that. <laughs> to throw people off, they're like, oh, you're playing Young Pyromancer? No, I'm just playing Deceiver Exarch and copying it a million times. Is it the deck that you think at like the pro level has the most play in, in modern? Uh, no, Amulet easily has the most play. It's one of the hardest things I've ever tried to do, and I recommend not trying it unless you are a Stone Cold Master. Did you like consider playing it? And you, no. if you could Okay, you didn't. Well, I mean, I've played it many times in... Practice matches and my fail rate, not my fail rate, my mistake rate was at least like 20 to 40%. So, where do the mistakes come with that deck the most, do you think? Uh, turn one is one of the hardest things to like sequence out because you play your land and then turn two comes around and then you have to realize how you're going to go off. It's essentially setting up how you're going to go off is the hardest thing to play. The hardest thing to do with Amulet. Like, once you play Titan, it's pretty easy to, like, figure out what to do. You're like, okay, get Boros Garrison, get Slayer Stronghold, all right, haste, attack, trigger again, 
Growth Chamber, Talaria West, Float Mana, pick up Talaria West, Transmute, get another Summoner's Pact aura, Pact Mitigation, and then you just bury them in your redundancy. So really the part of the deck that most people who have watched coverage would think is the hardest is not the hardest, which is everything no. you just said. It's it's sequencing those first couple turns. Sequencing the first couple turns and figuring out how you are going to go off is a lot easier than just going off. Interesting. So, okay, Twin, you chose to play Blue-Red Twin. I know yep. over the summer uh, we were talking during PPTQ season about mm-hmm. playing Grixis Twin. So yeah. why the move back to Classic? Uh, classic Blue-Red, although the differences in most of the deck list is only about six to seven cards um those six to seven cards are uniquely different in each deck so in the black one you play terminate colgon's command and tassiger Tassiger, right those are your options there and in the blue red version you get to play electrolyze lava mancer click and possibly more spell snare dispel which offers a little bit more counterplay while the Grixis one is a little more upfront, kind of remove your threats rather than dig and or prevent the other person from kind of disrupting your combo. Now, I notice your list plays one Lava Mancer, one click, right? Yeah. So in a 60 like that, I mean, what's the point of having one ofs like that? They just randomly come up and they're pretty good most of the time, but you don't want to draw them game one very often? or uh, It's kind of miserly a little bit, but... One click is normally the right number in most of these decks, and the one Lava Mancer was a concession to kind of burn decks, affinity decks, infect decks that um, you don't want to like. If you draw it, it's going to win you the game. And if it was like, let's say, like another redundant spell, like a peak or something, it, the upside isn't exactly there. Gotcha. W- what was your first match of the tournament? Uh, I played against Affinity Round One. Like Which, a, what kind of affinity was like a master just, affinity or like a uh, just regular kind of classic classic affinity, right. which is a quite quite a good matchup for Splinter Twin because uh, Deceiver Exarch and Pestermite um, they're just so good against them because they equip plating and they you can just tap their plating tap thing it. down and if they tap out obviously they're dead but obviously you don't have Splinter Twin all the time but it's pretty easy to control the action with all of your lightning bolts and tappers. Now, your suite of counter magic that you play in this version, so mm-hmm. you've got two spell snare, one spell pierce, one cryptic, two to spell, four remand. Uh-huh. Where do you come up with that split? I mean, what's the um, ones and twos? And The four remand's pretty pretty consistent. Um, the, the weird part is the one spell pierce, one cryptic command. Normally, it's two cryptic command, but um, in a tournament that you're just trying to spike and win as many matches as possible, you're not playing 15 rounds of Swiss. You're playing like at maximum eight rounds i played eight rounds right right so the spell pierce is more of i want to get them i want this to be more higher impact in the times where i draw it rather than the other cryptic command and it's less common so maybe they're not going to play around it maybe yeah quite as much you're essentially just trying to get people because you're assuming that a person at rptq has already won a pptq so you are you are assuming that they are not just the run-of-the-mill player hey i just showed up to this tournament they actually had to put some investment in this so you're trying to take their level of commitment and their level of practice like oh i played against twin they don't play i'm i don't expect expect spell pierce so me i was just trying to get them like they're expecting something and then i bring out the spell pierce now like so with the whole mixture of counter spells here we were just talking a little bit about how good Dispel has become in modern and how Dispel yeah. is almost like the premier counterspell you want to be playing. Yes. That or Remand. Mm-hmm. Now, but if you were looking at all the mixture of the blue counterspells, a new player might say, well, where's Mana Leak? Why don't you play any Mana Leaks? That's such a good card. 
Why don't yeah. you ever? Why would you never move back towards that? Or why is that so absent? Uh, remand cycling itself is a lot better in this deck because you're not trying to permanently answer their threat. You're trying to delay them long enough that you can twin them. Is this the big difference between Remand and Manalik in this deck? Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so then we, we no longer really will ever see uh, Kiki-Jiki in these decks. It's pretty much gone. Yeah, it costs too much. And with the new invention of Dispel, going off on five is much of a more real thing because you have Splinter Twin and Dispel up, and obviously it's your turn so they can only play instants. So, Would you say Snapcaster is the best card in the deck? I would say Serum Visions is the best card of the deck. Interesting. Why yeah. Why is that? Uh, it lets you set up your draws. Um, the safest place for your combo is always on the top of your deck. Because Jund and Abzan is your worst matchup, um, them not knowing what is on the top of your deck is often a great boon in beating them because if they feel safe, they will tap out, and in which case, you can twin them. Gotcha. Okay, so you play a four Snapcaster, and you and you said you play the the four Serum Visions, which I think, yeah. I think in our episode last week we said Serum Visions was the number two best common in the format. Yeah, Serum Visions followed by Lightning Bolt. Not to be yeah, not to be uh, you play four Lightning Bolt in here as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you have four Deceiver Exarch, two Pestermite. Yes. Uh, again, that's pretty standard nowadays. Very standard. Um, is there ever a situation you would consider building this with more Pestermites, not less Exarchs, just like more combo pieces? Um. I think I think the the rug decks play the four quad, but the that's because they're much more about beating down with their creatures, right? Versus just like the like in this deck, they're much more of a I have this to win with it. Yeah. Versus those where it's like I'm trying to threaten their life total so they can't worry about the splinter twin combo, and then I sometimes win with it because they've got the Tarmogoy, so they've just yeah, got more firepower. In some of the rug twin decks, I've seen the innovation of bounding crisis. Right. It's pretty sweet. Um, although it does still die to Lightning Bolt, you just have to weigh the difference between do you want a 2-1 Flyer or do you want a 3-3 three, three Groundy? Interesting. Okay, so you got the 4, you got the 2. Um, I suppose I suppose if you wanted to get clever, you could replace one click with one Pestermite or something if you really wanted to go like 3. Uh, the click is pretty important in a lot of the blue mirrors. You want to have... Because you're filtering through, through your deck yeah. so much in some of the blue mirrors because you can't really like accelerate the game by just twinning them. Yeah. So the longer, the longer the game goes, the more likely your draw click and having perfect information on your opponent's hand or partial because they draw a card is like a pretty good, pretty big advantage. So then aside from four Splinter Twin, which is obvious, you yeah. play one Roast. One Roast. Who yes. hates the card Roast so much? Does Eugene hate the card Roast? I think you, Tom Lapeel was the one Tom that... Tom Lapeel hates Lapeel. Yeah, blatantly. Yeah, we're right. Yeah. Can't stand roast. Yeah, he made it, but and he yeah. hates it. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> and you you feel okay playing one roast in here? Uh, one roast is great. Yep, interesting. Um, your sideboard here, the card that sticks out to me, number mm-hmm. one, is Pia and Kieran Nalar. You have two of those in your sideboard. Yes, Pia and Kieran, Kieran Nalar was an excellent card for me this weekend. Um, it's essentially the red lingering souls, right? And it's so, it's so versatile in some of the matchups. So, in most of the three color matchups. That, that's where you're weakest as Blue yeah. Red Twin. So if you're playing Jund, Abzan, or Grixis Twin, you're at a disadvantage because their cards, they have more removal and you don't have as much removal. Yeah. So what you normally want to do is you play the the P and Kieran. It's either a clock, it's defense, and it's great Liliana protection. For those of you that don't know what Pia and Kieran are, it's actually a, it's a legendary creature out of Origins that is too red, too colorless for a 2-2 legendary creature human artificer. When Pia and Kieran Nalar enters the battlefield, put two 1-1 colorless Thopter artifact creature tokens with flying onto the battlefield. And then it has like a uh, 
a uh, siege gang commander type of deal where it's for one red to call a sacrifice an artifact pia and kira nalar deals two damage to target creature or player so not a card that's seen a lot of play in twin decks to this point yeah uh, we, we we talked about that in our top 10 modern or uh magic origins review yeah and it definitely made our list and, and part of the reason and i imagine this is still true mm-hmm. is it's good against infect decks and affinity decks to an extent because so many of their threats are x1 flyers yeah um and maybe that maybe that was also more in the talk for Jundex, where mm-hmm. not necessarily twin, where you have the yeah removal to kind of go through. Right. It. By the time you'd play it, I imagine at four, you know, those decks are almost going to always have killed you. Yeah, twin has uh, a lot better answers to infect and affinity than Jun does because you get uh, you you're you're playing ancient grudge, which is right, just ridiculous right. against both of those decks. Well, and Snapcaster Mage, which is snaps very good. Um, yeah, like ancient grudge against infect is such a backbreaker too because. Like you get to you, it's essentially stone rain and terminate yeah. in the same card, and often they bring in more spell skites and they go up to four, and you can just two for one them all day. I would always bring in more spell skites. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you got P and Kiranalar. You have two Karanos, uh, God of Storms, which is like a sweet, sweet, sweet card that is. Yeah. Uh, it's like the blue red staple control mirror. Trump yeah, card. it's the one. you Yeah, see. it's didn't it's we, excellent. Didn't we see that? What was that same tournament with those, that crazy seven lightning bolt game? It was it was the one that got yeah, the, won. The, the match that uh, what's his face won against Lantern Control was off yeah of off of because because he had him locked out and and he actually resolved the Karanos. Did you see that? I did not. He actually had him locked out with mm-hmm. the whole, and he, he resolved Karanos. He let him draw it, and then he ended up killing him off Karanos because he couldn't reshuffle the top oh, enough nice. times. Um, yeah, it was pretty impressive. It's like one of the only ways it seems you can beat that. Um, so, okay, you've played a couple of those, uh, mm-hmm. a couple Blood Moons. Blood Moon, it's, you, you got to play it. <laughs> right. Would you ever consider playing more than two? Not in this current metagame. Okay. Unless I expected a bunch of Tron and Amulet, which is already a good matchup, so. Uh, sure. Blood Moon here is more really for Jundex because you it's kind of a get them card. If right. they don't play around it, then you, they just lose. So the last bits in here, you you said a couple of these changed to the list that you sent me in the first place. Yeah, so the so raining volley became a spell skite. Okay, so there's one spell skite in your sideboard. Yeah, just one spell skite. Yeah. It was pretty good. I drew it a bunch of times a weekend. And then the roasts changed, you said? Uh there's still two roasts. There are two negates. Okay, two negates. So you got rid of one dispel. One dispel. Okay, so so now you have two negates, two pyroclasm, mm-hmm. two rose, two grudge. Yep. Okay, and you felt that was pretty solid. Sideboard. Seven, seven two ofs, and then the spell skate. When you're building a sideboard, and it's like yep. it's a very uh, format like this, it's not like super super high variance. It's pretty mm-hmm. controlled. Is two like a bunch of twos? Is like usually where you like to go. You don't like to max out anything. Um, with a deck with serum visions and snapcaster mage, you're usually filtering uh, through enough of your deck to where you're going to see one of them if you have two. So. Yeah. Two is pretty much the right number unless your matchup against X deck is just so horrendous that you just want to play four of a card. So you started with Affinity. And yep. You, and you, I, what, what do you have to, to top eight? You have to X1 this? Um, this was a this was interesting. Um, I'll tell you what happens at the end, so I guess we'll just go round by round yeah, let's for do it. now. Uh, so round one, I played against Affinity, and then uh, it's pretty standard matchup. Game one, I turn forward him. Game two, he removed my combo as I went for it, and then in game three, I just grudged him out of the game. Like I drew both of them, and obviously 
They right. just cannot win from that point. And with Grudge, you play a single, you usually like a single stomping ground. The yeah, night, right? so you play four Misty Rainforest and four Scalding Tarn. Right. So your Misty can get your uh, red source. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. is like, sometimes you'll see those games in coverage where somebody yeah. draws the stomping grounds at the beginning yeah. of the game and somebody uncovered will be like, and he's clearly playing Rug Twin here or he's playing Team Red uh, Twin. Yeah. That's like the rookie mistake. I've like heard like a bunch of commentators make that mistake. Yeah, they're... Yeah, they're not the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, next round I played against Infect, which is another great matchup. Just again, like the Pester My Deceiver tapping their threats is very, very powerful. And their own their only real defense against you game one is Vines of Vastwood. Okay. So they, they like Vines your guy as right. you win it. Because yeah. it has that. For those of you who don't know, like Vines, the reason Vines is so sweet is because it's one of the cards where you can target your own or their creature. And it, it states that like because of it, it can't be like I think the exact wording is. Yeah, it's essentially Shroud. Yeah, target creature can't be a target of spells or abilities your opponents control this yeah. turn. Yeah. Um, wait. It's, it's, it's hexproof, but it's not giving the ability hexproof. Yeah. So the creature can be only targeted by your spells. Yeah. It, gotcha. It's like the it's kind of how like old lifelink if you give a creature that has old lifelink new lifelink or actual yeah. lifelink it gets double the life bonus. Right. It's yeah. a similar kind of like weird ruling cuz it's not a keyword. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a under underused mode on that card. Vines is a really good card. Yeah, Vines great. is sweet. Yeah. But then in a uh, game 2 I brought in the Pyroclasm, the Grudges, the Blood Moons. It's very hard for them to win post sideboard like they can play Hierarchs and Spellskites, but you can just wipe them all away with Pyroclasm and Grudge. Yeah. And obviously Blood Moon just shuts them down. I think they only play like two 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 forests or something. Yeah. When you think about sweepers in modern, what mm-hmm. like do you think that Pyroclasm is just absolutely far and away the best sweeper? Or do you sometimes like to play Fire Spout or sometimes like to uh, play it's the other one that Anger. Yeah, anger it's guns. definitely metagame dependent. Now the pod's gone, I definitely think Pyroclasm is a choice because you don't really have to deal with Finx or Voice anymore. So yeah. there's no real reason to play Anger anymore. Interesting. Okay, so you're, uh, that's that's your that's your round two. Oh yeah, and then uh, round three, I played against Boggles, which is somebody who's actually playing that, huh? Yeah, I thought it was a great deck choice because um, most of the good players are going to try and play fifty fifty decks, and the fifty fifty decks like Jund and Twin, you can kind of just coin flip them and just get lucky. Um, but he didn't get very lucky, and I just twinned him a bunch. Yeah. Like, their only real defense against you in sideboard is suspe- uh, suppression field. Right. right. So um, I spelled Snare just suppression field and he lost the game. Doesn't Blood Moon just absolutely hose that deck too? Because they play all non-basics? 100%, uh, right? No, they have a forest. They have two forests, one planes. Right. Yeah, I'm... but normally you don't want to play Blood Moon against them unless you're on the play. The main the main card that hoses them is Spellskite. Right. Yeah, Spellskite just they, like, demolishes they, them. They either have to have path or they don't win. Yeah, spell snare is just unreal against them as well. Like it hits yeah. cornet, it hits spirit dancer. It's so good. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so that's uh, that's that was round three. three. Um, round four, I had to play against Jund against a player who is competent at playing Jund. And that's a tough matchup, right? That is a very, very, very difficult matchup. Like game one, there was a couple sequences where like I drew super perfectly, but he just played it better and he didn't leave any openings for me to kill him. Like. He played it pretty well. Then in game two, uh, I don't know. He just kind of jutted me out. I sure. tried to tried to twin him. He had the removal. Not much you can really do there. So in a major tournament like that, now you're three one, and you know there's yeah. gonna be seven rounds, and you know that if you yeah. lose again, you're probably out. So what's your what does your attitude adjustment have to sort of at that point? Do you do you click into a different mode, or are you like I'm probably gonna uh, get one loss? I'm okay. 
No, I try to take every match one at a time, and if I make a mistake or if I lose, I don't dwell on it because you can. There's a lot of ways to lose a match of Magic, and there aren't very many, very many ways to win one. So your disposition and your mental state throughout the tournament is almost paramount over your, your over your playing skill. Because if you think you're going to lose, you're going to lose. If you think you're going to win, you might win. So you're somebody like uh, in a group like this. There's a lot of good players because you have mm-hmm. to have won a PPTQ, which is pretty hard yeah. to do in the first. There place. were six of us right in the in our from our little group that qualified. So, and you've also played on multiple pro tours now. Mm-hmm. You've won a Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. So you've got plenty of experience at the highest level. When you're looking around the room and you mm-hmm. get a loss like that, like, do you just kind of play it like you've always played it between matches, just kind of like shooting the breeze with your friends and laughing at Or do you, are you like super focused and you kind of, like an athlete would, you know? Um, I don't know. It's, it's important to stay positive and not talking about it too much about your losses probably the best for your morale of the group as well right because you're trying to help your friends win too so you're trying to keep it positive be like oh yeah i messed up or hey i didn't get there it was a tight match and it was a good game like that's probably the most you can say okay so you pick yourself up from your bootstraps and you go into round five now and i'm against amulet which is normally a great matchup okay so uh game Mm -hmm. one what you know continue yeah so game one i combo him on turn four right Not, not much he can do um game two he has the turn two on me so i don't win that one and then in game three i kept a borderline on the play with one land seer envisions and didn't really didn't really get there so i actually took my second loss right there wow so you're x2 at that point i was x2 at that point and at that point you don't know if you can still top eight right you're, mm, you're yeah i don't know if i can top eight or not but because you started hot and you won three in a row your breakers yes. are gonna be decent yes hopefully the guys that you were beating right to play well yes and they Luckily, they did continue to play well. Nice. So um, after that, you know, you get yourself your coffee or your whatever, and you yeah. come back, kind of just start fresh, just try and win one match at a time. And then uh, round six was another amulet player, but this time game one, same yeah. thing, turn forward him. Game two, uh, he tightened me, but he only had 16 damage because right. that's all he can do, and then I just twinned him. Right. That's one of the, that's like the one of the big misconceptions about that matchup is that like they go for it and then sometimes they just don't kill you and then they're just and then they've gone all in and if yeah. you can still kill them the next turn. So, yeah, in my yeah. in my testing all summer against that deck, I kept finding that that like if you can sort of grind it, you've got them close within a turn yeah. or two, sometimes you can dodge it. Well, they can only deal 16 damage to you if they have one amulet out and they have enough mana cuz they go stronghold into garrison, which is 8886 eight, double strike. Right. So it's not enough. Totally. Have to go for it the next turn. Okay, so you so you win that match. So I win that match and then um I look at that's round 6 is done. So then they put up standings. I have the highest tiebreakers of all the X2s. So this is my winning in, right? Right. So I play against uh a friend of mine who ha- who was on my Origins Pro Tour testing team. I know he's a great player. Yeah. And he was playing Jund which oh, is no. oh man oh no <laughs> it's right the number one worst card for you in the whole format right Liliana yeah, Liliana and Abrupt Decay are just very difficult to just get any handle against them but uh, game one he kind of makes a critical error where he doesn't kill my Grim Lava Mancer he chooses to plus Liliana and then I'm able to kill the Liliana then we trade some more resources and we get into a top decking war where I just draw too many Snapcasters for him to really get back into it um. And then in game two, uh, I go for the Blood Moon on him, but obviously he's a good player. He starts fetching basics. Right. And I have this crappy three-man enchantment that's doing absolutely nothing, 
and I lose the game, right? So you go to game three. Going to game three. How are um, you sideboarding here, by the way? I'm curious against John. What's your, so, what's your plan? Um, normally in game one, a- after game one, uh, you go for the Roasts, the Blood Moons, the Pias, and the Karanos, right? And normally you try and take out, like, Electrolyze, some amount of Bolts, some amount of the combo. I had been talking with him before the match, or before the tournament, we were kind of working together a little bit on how I would sideboard against him. And I told him, yeah, normally I take out the Pestermites, two of the combo, two of the Splinter Twins, you know, try and keep them honest while playing your long game of Kiranos and Pia and Kieran. Because he knows you, so you're willing to give him your strategy he, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, because yeah. he, well, because we're friends. And yeah. That's what I told him before the tournament. But after the game three had happened, after the game two had happened, where he saw I was blood mooning him, this is like not going well for me. So I put in the entire combo back in, just two Pestermite, four Deceiver, four Splinter Twin, right? Right. Um, then I just combo on him turn four, and he doesn't see it coming. He taps out for a Liliana, and I'm able to just combo him. And he's like, I didn't think you were brought, in, brought back in the combo. And I'm like, well... I mean, I did. I was right. trying to level you. <laughs> Success. Nice. So that should be a, right there, just like the getting getting to the top eight, should be a mm-hmm. reminder to any tournament player, you'll hear this thing happen where you're at a tournament and you've played a few games and you pick up your second loss in a seven-round tournament mm-hmm. and all you're going to hear is the negativity from around the room, people just being like, oh, you can't top eight anymore. You should, oh, you're you should dead. Just, oh, you're dead. You shouldn't even play it out. Let's just get out of here because maybe they've got three losses and they just want to go eat or whatever. Yeah. And I hate that because I'm always like, no, nah, I'm here to play. I want to play the game. So if mm-hmm. there's even a small chance, I'm going to finish the tournament. Uh, and it should be a reminder to anybody out there, just finish the – like. Once you're mathematically eliminated, that's fine. Yeah. But if you still are even like a shred of, of being close, I mean, our friend Eric made a pro tour getting ninth at a PTQ, or not at a PTQ. GB? At a, I have no idea how I can't it remember. A pro tour. Yeah, whatever. Somehow he, made, somehow he made a pro tour finish uh-huh. ninth, and then something happened with somebody in the top eight, like a disqualification or something. Eric uh, Widets? Years ago. He made a pro tour back in like 06 or yeah, 07. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they bumped him up. And nice. That's how he made it. So he because he finished the tournament and he finished one outside of the top so eight. So never leave. Just stay there until the end of the top eight yeah. just in case. Unless you're X4, <laughs> then you can leave. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So uh, awesome. So, okay, so you get to the top eight. And, yeah. and this is really interesting what you were telling me on the car on the way here. Mm-hmm. Because the top four make the Pro Tour and yeah. there's no monetary prize you're getting aside from just the invitation and the promo, yeah. you, it's literally you just get the top eight, win a match, and you're done. Yeah, like, there I, is I no left. There is no semi yeah. or final. There's no semis. There's no finals. Everybody just kind of... High fives, shake hands. Yeah. All right, see you later. So that's really fascinating because mm-hmm. now you now you literally just have one game to win. Yep. So what was your uh, what was your matchup? Uh, so I was playing against another friend, uh, Vidianto Wajaya. Very, very, very good player. Photographic fa- memory. Yeah, the best versus player to ever walk the earth. Right. Right. <laughs> um, he uh, he was playing Grixis Twin with Jace Ferns Prodigy in it. Four of. Interesting. That's that's cool because we're going to talk about that card in just a minute. Yeah. Um, so normally I'm not favored in this matchup because I said I'm normally a dog to all the three color decks. So we have a drawn out game one. Why is that? By the what? way, really quickly, just why are you a dog to all the three color decks? Because they have more removal and you have more cantrippy cards. So like you're more efficient, but they're a little more control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so game one, we have like a. Pretty drawn-out game where we draw go for a while, sculpting our hands with Lighthouse and Serum Visions. Oh, yeah. I did notice in your list, by the way, you played two Lighthouse. That should be noted. Two Lighthouse and one Ghost Quarter. Yeah, because that's pretty relevant. I remember when the when the one Lighthouse started to get played in these lists. So mm-hmm. playing two is ballsy. I mean, that's... Lighthouse is the best card in the mirror by a long shot. Yeah, just puts you ahead. 
Well, yeah, because you, you're just trying to sculpt your hand for the turn you're going to win. Yeah. So, like, ripping through your deck is definitely, like, one of the best things to be doing. Yeah, I would say two lighthouses have been, has been closer to standard. For a while now? For at least this summer, for the last season. Do you think that, so this is a kind of interesting, you mentioned mm-hmm. he was playing four Jace Friends Prodigy in the main deck. Mm-hmm. So that's his looter? Is he also, yeah. do you think he's also playing lighthouses on top of his? Yeah, he was playing a lighthouse. Okay, but so. Uh, but Grixis only can play one lighthouse. Because they can't afford a color right. choice, right? Okay, interesting. All right, so so he's playing uh, Friends Prodigy. In, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, in game one, that's like, if I don't bolt it, it's pretty difficult, and Kologon's command is really good, so like, after a long, kind of attrition thing, attrition war, I go for it with only two pieces of backup, and he has three cards, so I, kills me, Right. he kills my guy, and then he twins his own guy, so I lose that game. Um, How do you board against this? So against, in the sideboard, you essentially bring in nearly everything, um, like you bring in the spell skites, you take out some of the combo... Um, you bring in Pia, Kiranos, you bring in one Rose, Spellskite, the Negates. Right. Uh, I think that's about it. Yeah. So you bring in those cards and then you just try to grind them, attrition, kind of war. Um, normally their deck only plays one Kiranos, but my deck plays two. So pretty much it's a mini game to see who can get Kiranos out first to outvalue the opponent. So I got my Karanos out first, and that definitely drew me enough cards to where when we had the big counter war, I had four pieces of backup, and he only had three cards. So I twinned him out. So question for you. like in, you, you play a card like Jace, you flip it, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you can start flashing spells back. Or you play a card like Karanos, yeah. and you start actually just generating that incremental advantage. Yeah. How many of those sort of... Um, you're creating card advantage off of one card multiple times. Uh-huh. How many of those type of losses can you sort of like have your experience? I'm sorry, I just I, let me rephrase that. How many times can your opponent do that to you before you really feel like you? I'm probably going to lose the game. Now? You've been buried. Um, yeah. It really depends on the matchup. Like when Jun starts burying you, it is very. If if you are Jund and you're getting buried, it's very apparent that you're just going to lose because all their cards are one for one, right? And they can't really just win on the spot, right? But for twin, it's not as bad because if you see they're they're just drawing lands off Karanos, you can put them on having nothing and then just go for it, and sometimes you'll win. Right. Yeah. So interesting. I was I was sort of thinking it must be after after the second or the third time you have to feel like you're kind of with twin. You're always in the game because you can just win on the spot, which is why it's like such a good deck to play. I'm sure. Yeah. Interesting. Um, very cool. So I... the yes, go ahead. Uh, last game. So this is uh, game three of the essentially the PTU finals. And I do the same thing that I did against my other friend. I just put back in the entire combo. Right. And uh, he played a Jace, and then he didn't play a land. And then when he attempted to play a Spell Bomb to draw a card, I had the Spell Pierce. And once he got too far behind on lands, um, I put Iserum Visions, put Exarch on top. He Inquisitioned me. See, I didn't, ha- I didn't have any Exarch Pestermite, but I had Splinter Twin. And he's like, all right, take Snapcaster. I'm like, okay, draw, go. He's like, all right, land. I'm like, okay, tap your land, tap your untapped land, yeah. and twin you, right? He's like, all right. So I won that one through Serum Visions, keeping the Exarch on the top of my deck. Because you were saying before about how good Serum Visions actually is. Yeah. Your your opinion on Serum Visions, like back at the beginning of the format when Preordain mm-hmm. and Ponder and all those cards were legal before yeah. the bannings and everything... There was this long stretch of time before Serum Visions was just like a more played card in decks. Like mm-hmm. it started to it started to catch on as this shouldn't just be a deck 
like this combo it's the second I mean, most it. played card in modern yeah now mm-hmm. it is i mean it's come around now obviously with various iterations of the format everything from you know blue red delver to twin and, the, and all that sort of flavors and just right. other decks now that just play serum visions because it's just a good card to have mm-hmm. do you think serum visions is just powerful because it's this deck is trying to draw such specific cards or do you think that card is just should be played in like a lot of decks because it's just good uh, I think it's a little bit of both. It's extra good in Twin, obviously, because of the card filtering. And it's extra good in the Grixis control decks just because it adds so many cards to your graveyard. Right. Like, you can Serum Visions for a Thought Scour, Thought Scour yourself, play an Angler, go. Like, it's, right. it's that powerful. Did you ever consider playing that Grixis deck? I played that Grixis deck at the WMCQ, and it's so hard to just get wins with the deck just because it takes so long and it's such a mental drain that I was like, all right, I'm just not gonna, I'm not going to play this deck anymore. You chose not to play Control and Competitive Magic. Yeah, it's it, not your style. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess so, but it worked out. Whatever. You're like always like aggressive aggro or control, right? That's like your tens of your strategy. So you're yeah. always going to play like Affinity or Burn, or you're going to play like Twin or yeah. some controlly blue black thing. Yeah, uh, I in the blue or aggro. That's what we'll say. I tend to <laughs> give up the most points in forest matchups. Right, you so, hate forests. Yeah, forests are the worst. So like anytime, I just have a nightmare of me at the pro tour at my winning in, and I'm playing Abzan versus Reed Duke, who's also playing Abzan, and right. then I just die because he's just better at it. He's just he's had so many more reps than me that it's like. It's yeah, it's not good. <laughs> so with this win, then you you get like another essentially another credit, another qualification. You can yes. sandbag your others. So how many pro tours out now are you in line for? Uh, I actually used my silver invite for the last one. Oh, gotcha. So I was not qualified for this one. So and oh, wow. now I am, and this is going to be my fourth consecutive pro tour. It's pretty darn good. Yeah, I think so. And you get to if you keep playing, you'll keep getting points. You'll probably get another quali- another silver qualification if you play as many tournaments this year. Yeah, I'm definitely going to fly to a lot more tournaments now that I actually spiked this one. And they've actually upped the, the points threshold. I saw that, yeah. At the, at the PT, and they've lowered the silver threshold, so it's just going to be that much easier to requalify. Interesting. Just once in our life, Kessler, we should try to be silver. <laughs> just once. <laughs> we talked about it. Skip lagged. Skip lagged, yeah. yeah. We're going to do it. Oh, there's, All right. There's an app that lets you... Uh, Airlines frown on it, but it's technically fully legal. They tried suing the guy who came up with it, and they just got thrown out of court. But it's a, an app that lets you fly to events. But basically, there's an arbitrage between the amount of money you spend on a flight to, say, Atlanta if you stop somewhere on the way mm-hmm. um, versus if you just go straight to the place you stop. So if, say, I want to go to Memphis, oh, there's a right, flight you can right, get right. where it's cheaper to go to Atlanta where you stop in Memphis versus going directly to Memphis. So you just buy the Atlanta flight and you just don't get on your second flight. And yeah. as long as you have a, you don't have a checked bag, you just get a cheaper flight. And you can get, like, day of $100, $200 tickets to random places in the United States. Yeah. Go so. to skiplag.com. That's skip. <laughs> just kidding. Um. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, actually, before we uh, continue on to other things, there are some advert-esque things. Uh, first off, make sure to follow us on Twitter. We just hit our thousandth Twitter follower today. Yeah, Woo-hoo! we're going to send you a... Uh, a whole a pile of commons that we talked about last week, and yeah. including Scythe Tiger and Survivor of the Unseen. Yeah. Gas. would be great. <laughs> um, the uh, other thing is actually uh, Brendan Weinhold, who was one of the stars of Top Decking, is yeah. currently uh, kickstarting his next web series. It's called Gentle Werewolf. Uh, it's a Silicon Valley-esque show about werewolf guy who's not a bad guy. 
Uh, you can go to Kickstarter right now and check out that. There's cool prizes and stuff. Um, make sure to check that out. There'll be a link on rocketjump.com. Uh, and that's uh, until we get to later in the podcast. Let's continue with uh, actually talking about stuff. Well, and remember to check out the command zone. Talk about that. True, true, true. That's our sister Always. podcast. Yeah. They do commander content. They're also on rocketjump.com. Yeah, they do commander content. Yeah. They'll, they'll actually they'll have, a, they'll have a spoiler on Thursday. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Nifty. So if you want some Commander 2015 spoilers, check out Thursday, their YouTube channel. They'll have it. Super, super cool. Oh, yeah. Actually, that's another thing. With so many promos right now. We are going to be putting out video versions of this show. True. Um, in the long future, as we've mentioned before, there will be like actual video things with us on camera, you'll see. But that'll be a while from now. So we're going to um, do something similar to what the Command Zone's been doing for like forever since they started. Right. Um, they're cheating because Josh Lee Kwai is professionally an editor, so mm. we had to like learn how to use a computer. Mad <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cheats, uh, but same deal. We're gonna have you know it's it's just our voices, but with cool visual content. We talk about a card. If we talk about a deck list, for instance, the Splinter Ten list that we talked about just now, that we'll you can find the... in the bottom. It'll just be it'll just be <laughs> basically like if you guys already listen on audio every week, then you may not have any interest. But if you listen to it on audio and you're sometimes sort of like. It would be nice if I could listen to this with card reference. Anytime we ever reference a card, it'll come up on screen for about 30 seconds. Anytime we reference a deck list, you'll see the deck list. It's just a little bit better. It's like more of a visual guide. So yeah. that's that can be found at uh, youtube.com slash webisodes network. Uh, yes, but uh, just search Top Decking TV on and YouTube. You'll, you'll find, find it. Yep. Nifty. Um, cool. So let's move on. We are going to do a little bit of a quick card profile today. Yeah. We're going to be talking about Jace Vrin's Prodigy, the, uh, the newest Jace the planeswalker flip creature looter thing that was sort of undervalued at first and seems to be coming into mm-hmm. its own now. Yeah, I think I think it hit our like ninth slot and we talked way more about other planeswalkers even when we did our magic origins focus on planeswalkers, but we were proved wrong and this card seems to be the ultra real deal. powerful. <laughs> Typical Jace fashion. Yeah. Oh, it's not going to be that good. Oh my god, it's the best. Well, like I'm going to make a prediction, and this is me cheating because it's purely off the back that it's not going to be banned out of every format. But mm-hmm. I think this Jace is going to see way more tournament play than the other Jace ever saw. And Mind Sculptor? That's cheating because I think he won't be banned in Modern and or yeah. Standard, so he's going to just have longer time to be able to be played. <laughs> um, other Jace saw a lot of tournament play before getting banned. For like, like nine months, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's continued to see like vintage play for right. legacy, legacy play, play. Legacy play legacy. forever Most pros that have talked about this new jace in vintage have said that this jace is better than old jace in vintage holy crap. <laughs> that's because you get repeatable time walk and ancestral visions and brainstorm and all these effects that are just insane in that format ancestral is, recall it's a, sorry recall yeah seems like a good plan the, the, the good one <laughs> yeah that um, one <laughs> this price listed here on my app for this card is incorrect correct this, this has it listed at 73 dollars. that is not true no that that's blatantly correct that is a fact it's 73 dollars. It 83 dollars <laughs> wow i must have missed the boat on this one. Oh yeah oh yeah. you haven't been paying attention to this yeah, yeah. Jace yeah, is, you're, yeah you're, jace is the second jace literally in the sense that it is the second time it jace has been over 70 dollars in standard wow yeah. like i've been playing attention to like the list that shows up in and like talking about it but i had no idea that it got that expensive yeah well, it's it's, it's an unopened set under open set the most opened corset of all time but yeah. still under open oh, compared to like compared major to expansions, like any yeah. set it's a mythic it's special because it's flippy so the chances of being reprinted in something like a dual deck or something are extremely low um it's jace people he's also jace. very very strong in every format and yes. as soon as a jc's playing legacy He'll become an $80 card, apparently. So let's talk about what Jace does. He is a legendary creature, human mm-hmm. wizard, Jace mm-hmm. Rin's prodigy. Correct. One blue, one colorless for a zero two. 
Tap to draw a card, then discard a card. If there are five or more cards in your graveyard, exile Jace Prince Prodigy, then return him to the battlefield, transformed under his owner's control. When he comes back, he's a planeswalker called Jace Telepath Unbound, whose loyalty starts at five. Plus one. Up to one target creature gets minus two, minus zero oh, until your next turn. Minus three. You may cast target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard this turn. If that card would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. And minus nine. You get an emblem with whenever you cast a spell, target opponent puts the top five cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. Irrelevant. But once ben, again, another irrelevant mill ability. <laughs> read the read the second line again. Minus three. You may cast target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard this turn. If that card would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. Do not remand these spells, everybody. Do not remand them. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Also great with buyback. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, This is only relevant in the cube that I played last Sunday, uh, and it was Powered Cube, and I had him, and I had Time Walk, and I definitely did that every single game. Into Time Vault, which was also fun. So most notable, (laughs) I think we're all on the same page about this, is that we've all been wondering what the appropriate blue two-drop to play in your Grand Architect curve is going to (laughs) be. And I believe we have found the newest one. Probably the only one. <laughs> <laughs> he, reference, he references artifacts. He's good in multiples. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing uh, that is interesting, and since this is a modern podcast, is in all of the formats that Jace is going to be a powerhouse in, it's probably going to be the least of a powerhouse in modern, and that is specifically based on the fact of how many creature removal spells are in the format. Correct. So Legacy and Vintage, especially Vintage, where it's going to be a powerhouse because no one's playing creature removal in Vintage. There's, uh, there's one swords and. Most yeah. decks. <laughs> um, that's true. It'll be hard to get there. But <laughs> as we talked about last week, this is a format where the top three spells in the format are Lightning Bolt, followed by Serum Visions to find your Lightning Bolts, followed by Path to Exile, which also kills Jace. So it's a format just ripe with ways to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. But people have been talking about we need a way to get card advantage in this format. And this is kind of the Jace people have been asking for in many ways. Yeah. It's a sweet card. It's, I mean... I don't think anybody playing modern would ever say, even though it's powerful, that Snapcaster's not a fun card to have in the format. It's an awesome card. It's awesome. Yes. It's awesome in a ton of decks. It creates a ton of play. And this is essentially another way to do something similar. It's another it's another card that exists. Mm-hmm. That it's, I don't think it's as powerful as Snapcaster, obviously, but it's it's another card that does cool things that will make games play in a similar way. I've heard talk that it's comparable in like power level wise, it's not that far off, if not possibly the same power level, just because of the fact that it's repeatable. Repeatable is really, really good, and Snapcaster Mage forces you kind of put, keep your mana up at all times, or he can just kind of come down early bef- in, in the key turn, turn two, before Splinter Twin can be like, haha, if you cast a spell, I win, uh, or in fact, or any of the other decks that have kind of that turn right. three, I win if you tap out factor, mm-hmm. and he'll just sit there, and if they don't deal with him, you're going to bury them in card advantage. I think the yeah. one thing about this card, though, and the, the biggest difference is that we all know uh, Modern is a format that exists on, like, the most important things that are happening are happening between, like, Two, two and four. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the decks are going to win Correct. at that point or set up their lock or whatever you combo out on turn four. The fact that Snapcaster can come down just as a beater on turn two or can like rebuy your Gataxian probe on turn two if you want it to, the fact that it plays 
aggressively in those first turns is powerful, whereas you're not going to get to use this card until turn three at the earliest. But you don't tap out for it. So, like, he he comes down, he starts fetching you stuff, and he also, like, is great with Delve. There's, like, all these weird corner cases where he ends up being decent. Not saying he's not good. Totally get it. I'm just saying the difference between this guy being really good and the difference between, like, say, like, a four drop being really, really good that creates card advantage, this guy's better, but it's not in the same way that Snapcaster is just going to be better than either of them, I think. But that's... I haven't played with it that much, so... Well, currently, the only decks that play that card are Grixis Colors, and the reason Jace is so good is because he's a removal magnet which turns on all of your Kologon's commands. Right. So this card is just obscene with Kologon's command. Makes Um, sense, yeah. Like, you can rebuy him and then play him again, play him, flashback your Kologon's command, you can just chain... Chain stuff into stuff into stuff, and like they can't come out from under it. And those are also the decks that are playing all the Delve cards. So if he's yeah. online, he's heavily increasing it. Plus, you can if you need to keep a looter. If you're like looking, you're more in the gas of like trying to sculpt your hand. You can use the Delve spells to keep him from flipping. Yeah. Um, or you know, once you just get five cards in there, flip them, and then you can start rebuying stuff if you don't have the Delve needs. You can also fog them if uh, if you have five cards in your graveyard, you block with it, and then you tap it and you activate it. It's like a virtual fog. Looters have always been interesting cards. Like they're any any like magic player that has played like enough casual or draft. We all know yeah. like, looters are powerful. Like they're they're not overtly powerful usually. Mm-hmm. And there's some there's some interesting ones in modern that exist that don't really see any play. Um this is probably other than Desolate Lighthouse, the only looter that's gonna really see any play, right? Can you think of another card that loots? I guess I guess uh, Faithless uh, looting. There's red yeah. loot rummaging cards, but Yeah. Yeah, or like Like what's it called? I forget what it is, but uh is Flashback, it? one red. Yeah, Draw two. Looting. Faithless Looting, yeah. yeah. Faithless Looting. Is it cool, Charm? Cool. See some play in some decks sometimes. Well, like, Storm plays plays some of these, like, yeah. Ravings and stuff. Yeah, but, I mean, creatures that do it repeatedly. I mean, No, this is the only one. Yeah, there are some interesting creatures. But that's, that's probably on the back that, like, the looting ability is just kind of... Yeah. It, it's not really... It's not the main focal that's point. That's not why you're Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're playing the card because you get to Flashback have ability. double Snapcaster Mage that can kind yeah. of also... Yeah. Like, the times I've let and nor seen this car live... The game is over. The game is over. How do you think it compares to some other turn two, turn three, like, value-ish Planeswalker? Say, like, Liliana. How does this compare to Liliana, do you think, on power? Um, him and Liliana are trying to do different things, and they belong in two dis- distinctly different decks. So I don't think it's a fair comparison between them. Um, they are both Planeswalkers, and they do kind of try to bury your opponent in whatever you're trying to do. Um, so I guess in that regard, they're similar. But Liliana is more of a, like strip everybody of their resources while Jace is more I have infinitely more resources than you. But the fact that we're talking about this card in the same conversation as Snapcaster Mage and Liliana mm-hmm. is pretty remarkable, right? I mean that means yeah. that this card is gonna in theory is gonna be a top twenty five right. card pretty soon. You asked that question and the answer wasn't oh Liliana is just blatantly right. better. Yeah the question was like comparison. well there's like there's things that they're doing and it's different and everything that Andrew yeah. said. So like that's showing the power level of what this card can be and or will be in the format. Do you yeah. think it's possible we haven't experimented with the other Origins Planeswalkers in Modern enough, or do you think that this one is a fringe case? Uh, this one is a fringe case. It It's so big when it comes down to, like, five loyalty is a lot of loyalty. And once you plus it immediately, it goes to six, and what are you going to do, double bolt it? No, you're not. Did right. you practice yeah. with this card for the Pro Tour quite a bit? Um... That was the standard Pro Tour. Right. Right, but in standard, did you... Did you oh. Did you play with it? Did you get Oh, yeah, yeah. We played that card a ton. It's fantastic. It's so good in the Jeskai deck, um, the Dark Jeskai deck. Right. But I ended up playing Mono Red like a fool, but 
whatever. <laughs> that Dark Jeskai deck, like, they came up with it and they were playing it. Did you guys uh-huh. have, like, that deck built also? We had that deck built, no Taskers. Interesting. Yeah. Because everybody just saw the opportunity to play all the colors and just yeah. cast cards. Well, it's, Crackling Doom is really good. Well, that, so. that's a list that I would imagine also is very difficult to kind of lock down what colors you need to play or what exact cards. Because once you're at four colors, it's like... Everything goes. Yeah, what, what don't you play at yeah. this point? <laughs> well, like Crackling Doom was like a shoe-in for in all the decks, right? Well, that was because yeah. that did well at the SEG event the, right. the two weekends before yeah. the Pro Tour. So like the Dark Jess guy with um, that card just by itself was yeah. seeing play. It was the like additional pieces that definitely yeah. threw it over the top. Okay, so if let's let's just quickly just for like we'll play like a name game on ranking this card all time mm-hmm. in Planeswalker speak. And obviously, I, I know it's a little unique because it comes down as a creature. But we can all agree that like uh, if this Sculpt- is being included in the Planeswalker conversation, yeah. which it is, Mind Sculptor is, is number one, right? Yep, and sure. Most of us believe that Liliana is number two. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I can get behind that. And Liliana's two, and that would mean that this original is... Elspeth is three. Classically, I, I think this one is definitely better than yeah, us. But so this I is agree. the third best planeswalker we've ever seen already. Is that like a thing? We're like on board with this. Uh, it depends in the context, but in the current flavor, yes. That's very yeah. impressive. Two of them are Jaces. That's impressive too. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, I think the most undiscovered space with this card so far is in um, four color Jun decks. Um, having a flashback Thoughtseize, flashback Inquisition on turn three. Yeah. Into a Tarmogoyf seems powerful to me. But I don't know about the mana base and everything. So, I mean, theoretically, that deck, I mean, if there is a good removal spell to be played in it, and that's probably Dismember at this point, um, but doing a green, black, blue, which has been always a deck that has been the, like, the red well, stepchild of the green, black decks. Mm-hmm. Right, but most, like, for those decks to function, you need the eight removal spells. You need right. the four Decay plus the four Path Slash Lightning Bolt. Um, and... Blue doesn't really have that. Now, that doesn't mean there's not... Like, Jace does offer a lot of versatility in the sense that you can buy back things and you can maybe find the whatever mm-hmm. removal spell you depend you d- end up playing. And with Tassigur, there are many different reasons to play that deck. I'd be very interested to see if Jace starts birthing other archetypes that couldn't exist before now. Jace is also very good with Lightning Bolt, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's amazing <laughs> with Lightning Bolt. <laughs> which, is where, which is where he feels the most like Snapcaster Mage, because that's yeah. what Snapcaster's yeah. are good with. So, this card is... Over seventy dollars, seventy eighty bucks now. Yep, yep. Uh, from Origins, the other cards that are most expensive are Hangerback Walker and and Abbott. Right, those are the other two big. Abbott's ones. only seven. I think. Yeah. Uh, isn't the Burn spell more than Abbott right now? I have no, no idea. Oh, fire, fire, Firecraft. Exquisite Firecraft. There's like we, like there's a th- a few seven dollar cards, but yeah. the two main ones are Hangerback and Jace. And Jace. Yeah, I mean. Boxes of magic cards are like what, a hundred dollars, hundred ten dollars. So, so actually, this article came out. I think Chaz Andres yeah. did it, who was on the cast before. Uh, he compared a pack of each set and how much what, like, which one is the most worth opening. Yeah, mm-hmm. and not including expeditions, um, cons wins. It goes like cons, and then by like five cents dragons. And then by like fifty cents origins, because like you're playing the Jace lottery, yeah. But every other card in that set is kind of at a much lower level, unless you believe that long term Abbott is going to be what everybody thinks it's going to be, right? And like, like theoretically, Nyssa is probably like any of the other flip planeswalkers. Yeah, the they, they have long they have long term value. Um, but uh, con- Origins currently won by like a long shot if you include the expeditions. Interesting, mind you, that's also based you off mean the value. Battle for Zendikar? BFC. Yes, I one hundred percent battle for Zendikar because just the expeditions add like ninety cents per pack. Yeah, um, just a huge lottery, which is just a huge jump, and yeah. like. That's also kind of factoring in prices post Pro Tour on the set, which are not going to be what they are in two months when, I mean, like, right now, one in 
battle for Zendikar scene play uh, other than Gideon. Gideon. Yeah, well, nothing. Right. Though, another interesting comparison back to Jace with Gideon is a lot of people have compared the two of them to Stoneforge Mystic and Jace before, uh, where back then it was a smaller threat plus a bigger card advantage engine, and now it's the bigger threat with a smaller card advantage engine, but they both kind of play in a very similar way in what they're doing with Dark Jeskai. Gideon's a pretty good card, I think. Gideon is a fantastic magic card. Like Gideon might be up there in the top five Planeswalker conversation, possibly. Um, yeah. Well, just his non-multi-format uh, diversity. Yeah. Is probably oh, yeah, the yeah. big thing holding him back. Interesting. Yeah. That's kind of it for Jace. Is there any other last things you want to say about that? Oh, no. uh, on a pickup thing, I'd still wait to pick this oh, up. Yeah. I'd wait till rotation. Uh, we're now currently in that weird new rotation world where... Yeah, it's not going to last as long. Like, it, it's only going to be in standard until next, like, summer. summer. So, like... When it isn't saying that much... Eternal play yet, where it should be able to maintain eighty for a long time. Like it should drop to fifty-five at some point. Yeah, it'll go down. It'll definitely it'll, be below it'll, seventy. It'll stagnate at probably forty, I think. Yeah, yeah, but definitely keep an eye on it. The moment it goes below fifty is the moment to start picking them up because yeah. uh, unless it sees like it starts being in that bubble of this card should be banned. I would say even more than that. If you if it's if it drops into that forty fifty dollar range and you can like on eBay you can start to look for cheap foils. I'd get like a couple foils this card. Cause I, I would think, get foils now. Because yeah. uh, that's the other thing, and I don't know if this is true anymore because I haven't looked it up, but a week ago I was having this conversation where the Comic-Con exclusive versions of these, so that sets are still really only selling for 250 to 300 bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And him himself in it is worth like 150 plus, which is also low probably in the long run. Yeah. Because this is a vintage staple <laughs> now. Yeah, yeah. So like those Comic-Con things, if you can find a set of them for under 300 bucks, I'd snap pick those up. I mean, and you have $300 to throw around, which is yeah. not true for everyone, but, right. like, those are the kind of places where you're going to get a lot of value, um, and foil jaces right now are probably also pretty low, because uh, standard players, which is a lot of what this price is coming from, don't care. Uh, foils, yeah. Ooh, this is also a pretty sweet one, too. If you buy the foil Comic-Con set, you can you don't have to shuffle it and play it in your deck, so you can just use the, uh, the checklist the cards. checklist cards, yeah. And so then the when you holds. play it, you can look extremely pimp and bring out your... Comic-Con Jace? Comic-Con Jace, yes. Yeah. Which which I'll be doing, because I have those Comic-Con Jaces, because Look I go to Comic-Con and so wait in that rad. stupid line for Must be nice. 12 hours. Don't, weren't you at the last one? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, um, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps us up. Yeah, so uh, once again, uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Yeah, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Kess Wiley, and you don't have a Twitter. Or you do. Uh, yeah, I don't use it. Okay, so <laughs> uh, to see all these sweet lists uh, that Andrew has been playing in these modern events, uh, check out rocketjump.com as well. Yep. Uh, make sure to check out the Command Zone. They're our sister podcast. They do awesome commander content. As I said earlier in the cast, they will be having a spoiler uh, this Thursday, which is either going to be, depending on when you listen to this, tomorrow or today. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that should be pretty sweet. Uh, beyond that, um, make sure we're, oh, we're at, at the MMCast. I don't think we actually said our Twitter. Um, thanks for following us, guys. We have 1,000 Twitter followers. Oh, remember, we have a Facebook now, too. Oh, we, yeah, started we started YouTube. It. We, like, associate ourselves with the YouTube channel. We now have a Facebook. We're, like, getting better at the internet. We can edit on yeah. computers now. Yep. It's crazy. Before, I used to just, like, 
print this all on, on like film tape and actually cut it in a back room. Wow. Yeah, it was Impressive. crazy. I'll, I'll go like you guys right now. Oh, thank you. Well. Thank you, man. Uh, question, we, we a few weeks ago we did a brew episode on here, and we're going to do another one pretty soon here, uh, either next week or the week after. And I'm going to just name two cards right now, and then Kessler's going to name two cards right now. And then you, our Twitter fans, you're going to tell us which of those four cards you want to see Kessler and I do a, like a brew challenge where we're each going to – Two cards. You have to pick two of the cards we name. Okay, so we each will have to use both. We're going to name four cards between the two of us. Yep. And then and then we will each have to come up with like our own brew. Sure. That plays. Using two of those cards that you guys vote on on Twitter. Okay, my two cards are Spellskite and Jay's Friends Prodigy. That was such the, the laziest choices. Uh, Vengevine. <laughs> and uh, Terminate. How about... Esper Charm and Crackling Doom. Wow. There okay. you go. That's you go. six cards. Six. So, you're so gonna, you guys are going to vote. The two highest voted ones will have to both be included in our deck lists. Sure. And Kessler and I will build cool things and talk about them on the podcast. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for coming on, Andrew. Yeah, no problem, man. All right. Check us out on YouTube. Yeah. Bye, guys. See you next week. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the mmcast at rocketjump.com. See you later. Alligator.